Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. We're in a new series entitled, Behold Your God. It's in the Gospel of John. I'm glad you joined us today, and I think it'll be very beneficial to me to teach it. I always learn a lot from the study, but also for you to join me today. So thank you so much for listening in. Hey, listen, if you could interview God, what would you ask him? And if God actually answered you, would you listen? The title of our episode today is Interview with the Savior from John chapter 3. Now, John is the fourth gospel. It's in the last roughly half of the Bible. So find Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then the very next book will be the gospel of John. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm highly qualified to be utterly useless. But Nicodemus didn't have that problem. And we're going to meet this man, a very prominent figure in Jerusalem in the time of Christ when he walked the earth in his earthly ministry. In fact, his name is not even a Jewish name. It's a Greek name, and it means the people's victory or the victory of the people. So he must have been quite a guy. Something that I've noticed about Christ in reading the Gospels and studying them and preaching and teaching on them over the years is many times when people engage the Lord Jesus Christ in a conversation, Jesus takes that interview, that conversation to a new depth. He takes it to a, a higher plane. He takes it in a direction that he knows it needs to go to the heart of the matter. And we're going to see him do exactly that today in John 3. Now, I, uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm reading from the Gospel of John, but I'm, I'm reading from the King James Version. That's what I grew up with, and my scripture memory is from that. And you may be using that or a New American Standard or some translation. That's fine. But I'm reading from KJV, so you can look that up. And I'm actually reading literally from... Uh, well, I can't remember the name of it now. <laughs> but uh, it's an online uh, Bible uh, app where you can read your scripture. I remember it's going through this. <laughs> but anyway, let's go to John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, let's break some of that down before we go any farther. Since he was a member of the Pharisee party, it's pretty safe to say, without doubt, that he believed in the Bible, and he might fit pretty closely today with what we would call a Bible-believing fundamentalist or Bible-believing conservative believer in God and in, in the Old Testament. But also we see that he is a ruler. And by the way, the Pharisees were highly thought of 
in Christ's day, even though there were some things that the Lord Jesus Christ nailed them about, that they were wrong about uh, their, their behavior and hypocrisy sometimes. But in general, they were very well respected because they were considered reliable, dependable, and very serious about God. But we also see that he was a ruler of the Jews. This means that he was not just any Pharisee, he actually was a member of the Sanhedrin, the council of the Jewish people that had 70 members. This meant that he essentially, not only a member of the Sanhedrin, that he essentially was a scholar of the law. He was highly educated. He would have been operating in roles similar to a politician, a priest, a professor, as one writer said. So we see that he comes to the Lord, and let's see in verse 2. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now one thing I noticed right away is he had not quite the right assessment of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only was he from heaven, from God, but he wasn't just a great teacher from God. Jesus Christ is God. And this is going to become evident here in a few moments. But we see that he came by night. There have been many, many assertions about this by uh, Bible teachers and students over the years. One thing I can tell you, if he came by night, he was serious. He wasn't wasting his night watching Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or Conan O'Brien. He knew that he needed to make a beeline for this interview with Christ. And before it's over, he's going to find that it isn't actually an interview with the Savior. So he comes at night. Perhaps he did it not to be seen by his religious counterparts in the Sanhedrin or the Jewish people, maybe. We're not really sure. But, but he was serious enough to come because he had a concern. Maybe he came because the Lord Jesus Christ was so, so busy daily in his earthly ministry, surrounded by throngs of people. And he wanted a one-on-one -on -one interview with the Lord Jesus. Now, we're going to see in a moment, and I'm going to go ahead and mention it, that he is called a master of Israel by Jesus. And this meant that he was Israel's teacher, the teacher of teachers. If you had a Bible question or a God question, he was the go-to guy to get it answered. So just keep all of this in mind. And he was a very fair-minded person because we know in John 7, 50 to 51, later in John, he actually publicly defends the Lord in the Sanhedrin when the Lord is being discussed as to what the Sanhedrin is going to do with this Jesus. We also know that in John 19, verse 39, he helped Joseph of Arimathea take the body of the Lord Jesus Christ down from the cross and helped place him in the tomb. 
Well, he was a, a great guy and highly respected, highly educated, and all of this is very important. But he also made the point here to the Lord Jesus Christ that nobody can do the kind of miracles you're doing unless God is in it, God's with him. So that was a very astute, honest observation that Nicodemus made. Whereas many of his counterparts in the Sanhedrin and among the priests and high priests were just simply rejecting Christ out of hand, he was willing to see what he saw. You know, maybe he operated by the phrase that I, I read on an online comment, I'm not politically correct just correct. I like that. So he wasn't too worried about what people thought of him. I think he, deep in his heart, was very concerned about what God thought of him. And that's the way you should be, and I should be too. Now, you notice that he mentions that he, he, and he says we, so evidently a lot of people felt the same way, but we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Watch how the Lord Jesus Christ just cuts through everything to the heart of the matter. And God's like that. He does. He does that a lot. Verse 3, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Well, you know, I thought a lot about what Nicodemus said here. And I have concluded, and I might be wrong, but I've concluded that the Lord, that, that Nicodemus, I think he knew, I, I want to think, obviously, he could not be physically born again, you know, literally. But maybe he was saying this from the standpoint of, hey, can an old dog really learn new tricks? You know, can somebody really change when they're way into life? Maybe that's what he was asking. So Christ says here, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Well, this was a shocker to Nicodemus, and I'll tell you why. Nicodemus, being a, a descendant of Abraham, a Hebrew of Hebrews, if you will, somebody who was really serious and he was in Israel, they assumed, if you were like that, they assumed by your connection to Abraham that you were A-OK -okay with God. You were in. You were in the club. When you died, you would go to heaven. They even believed that Abraham, this isn't in the Bible, by the way, but they believed that Abraham stood at the gates of hell to make sure that none of his descendants, the Jewish people, mistakenly went into hell when they died. Now that's how important they viewed all this and that's how secure they felt. Well, Jesus shatters Nicodemus's world. Now, you may be listening today and say, well, I was always raised in church. My mama tells me I was baptized when I was seven after I made a profession of faith 
and I always went to church. I was in the youth group. I sang in the adult choir and on and on and on. None of that's bad. But if that's, if that is the sum total of why you think you're going to heaven, you need to rethink. Now, you may be saved and you need to grow immensely. Or, like Nicodemus, you may realize that you are not born again. And he's about to realize this. So verse 5, Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water, and that may refer to being born uh, as a baby, literally, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In other words, everybody's born once, but not everybody's born twice. And and for you to go to heaven, you've got to be born the second time by the Spirit. You can't do it. Only God can do this in you and through you as you respond to His offer of grace in the Lord Jesus Christ. So... The Lord, as I said, he often takes interviews and conversations in the Gospels to different places <laughs> than the, the person thinks it's going to go. And he does that here, right to the heart of the matter of Nicodemus. You are lost. You need Christ. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, like we are born as a, a human baby. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. They're not the same. It's two different births. Verse 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, or, or wants, or goes. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus here gives an illustration we're all aware of. Let me ask you, do you know where the wind comes from? Nope. Do you know where it's really going? Nope. I just know that it went past me. You can hear it. You can't see it, by the way. It's unseen, but the, the force is there, especially if it's a tornado or hurricane, right? So that's in the physical realm, and he says, well, it's the same way with everyone that is born of the Spirit. You, you can't, like, it's not a necessarily a visible thing, and you can't really explain it adequately, but it doesn't mean it's not real, it is really real to be born again. So, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, then you just, you just don't know. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. So the Lord is really being a soul winner here. He is giving direct counsel. He has told them, like if Nicodemus said, what do I need to do? Jesus would have said three words, be born again. That is, be born from above, by the Spirit. And he's going to explain how Nicodemus does this here. You see, Nicodemus had had the old birth that we've all had, but he needed the new birth. 
It was the birth of the Spirit. It is important to understand this, and he's going to explain this very thoroughly, and I want you to listen closely. If you're Hindu or Muslim or Buddhist, you're a New Ager, you're a Wiccan, you're just a good old boy. You, whoever you are and whatever religious label is on your life, I want you to listen like your soul depends on it to what the Lord is going to explain here in the next few verses. Because my friend, whether you agree or not, it is a fact that your soul depends on understanding and cooperating and agreeing with what you're going to hear in the next few minutes. This is your interview with God. Now the question is, God is going to answer, are you going to listen? If you're already a believer today, this will help you sharpen your spirit-empowered abilities to present Christ to people who want to know more about him or who need to know about him. Verse 9, so Jesus gives him a, a physical, natural world illustration that we accept is true, and we've got to do the same thing about the second birth, the new birth, being born from above by the Spirit of God. But watch what happens. Verse 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Boy, I bet right now if Nicodemus had any sense, he was feeling about two feet tall like a little child. And the Lord uh, graciously puts him in his proper place. He's not the teacher maybe he thought he was, but he better become a good student fast, all right? Now, by the way, if you're saying, well, I still can't wrap my, 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 my mind around how somebody's born again. Well, you know what? I don't understand electricity, really. It's been explained to me, but I can't, I don't really understand it. I just turn on the light switch. That's what you need to do. Quit overanalyzing things if you're not Christian yet. Give your life to Christ. Trust him as your Savior and Lord. He'll handle all of the other stuff, and you will slowly begin to understand what he has done in your life. All right, back to verse 11. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know. Now, let me put it in Southern English for you. We know what we're talking about. That's basically what the Lord is saying. We speak that we do know and testify that what that we have seen. So Jesus knows what he's talking about and he has seen what he's talking about. And ye receive not our witness. Now right now, one of you, maybe many of you who... Uh, Maybe you didn't grow up in church or you did and you rejected it or you're in some other world religion, whatever. Right now, some of you are saying, well, I'm just not agreeing with this. I'm not understanding it and I'm not going to accept it until I understand it. Jesus knows you and ye receive not our witness. Verse 12, 
If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Now Jesus, by the way, for people that say, you never claimed to be God, come on, man. Verse 13, he, he calls himself the Son of Man. He does that throughout the Gospel of John. And he says, I, I came down from heaven. I know what I'm talking about. I've seen it. It's real. Salvation is real. And yet you're not listening to me. Let that sink in. Jesus is claiming to have come from heaven. He is not a prophet only. He is not a great teacher. He's not like New Age and occultism teaches one of the, quote, great masters. He's, he's God. He came from heaven. Verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, and you can read about this in Old Testament, Numbers 21, 4-9, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now back in Numbers 21, Serpents were biting people. Moses lifted the brazen serpent in the wilderness. And all people had to do was look and live. And many did. But amazingly, many refused to look and they died. But he says here, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And I think this refers to the crucifixion that is going to happen shortly in the Gospel of John. But just as the people who were bitten by the desert snakes only had to look to live, when Christ is crucified, you only have to believe to be saved, that He is God, He paid for your sins, and He rose again the third day. Look and live in the Old Testament with the serpent in the wilderness lifted up and believe and be saved today in the New Testament in Christ. You see that? Verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's simply amazing to me that people do not understand that God has no grandchildren. Well, I was raised in church. I, I sure hope I'm going to go to heaven. I, I, my mama told me I was saved when I was a little boy and all of this. Maybe you were. Maybe you weren't. Is there a current relationship and reality and a current belief now that you exercise in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I don't know, Pastor Ed, I'm not sure. You better start getting sure, amen? You may be lost, but listen, all you must do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, it says in Romans. 
Jesus is saying that right here. I'm going to, you see, I mentioned God has no grandchildren. You, you must, he only has sons and daughters who've been born again. You get it? You, know, it's, you don't inherit it like Nicodemus thought. You have to be born again. Verse 16 might be the most famous Bible verse in the entire world. This is from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ, what he wants you to know right now. Even if you're Islamic, even if you're Buddhist or in the Hindi community, even if you're Baha'i or Mormon or a Jehovah's Witness, even if you say, I'm a Satan worshiper, Jesus wants you to know this. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Wow! God is not hating you. God loves you so much and the entire world so much that He gave the only Son of His kind. The Lord Jesus Christ is completely unique. There's no one like Him, absolutely only one of His kind. He is God. He's not an angel. He's not a teacher, not a prophet. He is God. And why did He give His only begotten Son? That whosoever, even you, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Wow! God is explaining here that it is, it is not by doing, but it's by accepting what he has done, who Jesus is. It's, it's not you turning over a new leaf, but having a transformed new life. It is not about having contrition, but it is about experiencing conversion. Eternal life is, is not so much what it is, but who it is. Jesus Christ himself is eternal life. When you're in him, you can never die spiritually. You may die physically, but your soul and spirit never die. Now, that's true of everyone. You, though, will either live forever with the Lord Jesus Christ in a place called heaven by, because you have trusted Him as your Savior and Lord, you're depending on Him, or... If you reject Him, 
never get around to getting serious with Christ and you leave this life and you ratify your choice of living without Christ in this life, you will live without Him for eternity in a place that He called hell. And that's why He came, so that you would never, ever have to experience that. He wants you to live with Him forever in heaven. God came in Christ to save the world, not to condemn it to hell. But if you live this life without Christ, you have ratified your choice. You have rejected Him, and God will not force you kicking and screaming into heaven. Sadly, you would go to hell where the devil and his angels are because it was originally prepared for them. There, my friends, you do not want to go. Just as they looked and lived in the desert, you must believe and be saved today. You see, Nicodemus thought that he and all of Israel were already in. They had a lock on this. It was a done deal. But Christ shatters that misconception. And of the 31,373 verses in the Bible, John 3.16 may be the most important verse you will ever hear. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's go to verse 18. He that believeth on Him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, you're, you are already in trouble. You are already on your way to hell. Christ came to get you off that road onto the road to heaven. Indeed, he is the road. He is the door. He is the only way to heaven. There is no one else born among women that can ever get you to heaven. No one, only Christ. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world and men loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So Christ explains clearly here that it's not about that your mom and dad love Jesus, but you don't, but that's not going to get you into heaven. It's not that you're in some religion and you think you are working your way to heaven 
Boy, that is a highway to hell right there. It's that you have finally realized you have no hope. That you, unless you believe on Christ, Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. And Christ came to change that path so that you could go to heaven. But you, just as they in the desert looked and lived when they were bitten with the serpents, you must look and live by looking at Christ. Believe and be saved. In the Gospel of John, in John 1, 12, we are told to believe, but as many as believed in him gave he the right, that is the authority, to become the sons of God, the children of God there. John 2, 11 says that we are, uh, that, that they believed in him. The disciples did. In John 3, we've seen over and over that we need to believe in Christ. Well, why don't more people believe, Pastor Ed? I believe. Why, don't, why does it my family believe? Well, the bottom line is people love sin. They love darkness more than light. And they hate the light because the light shines, shines light on their sin. Now, once the light shines on your sin, you've got to do something with it. You either keep on in it and defend it, or you agree with God that sin is sin, Yep, it sure is. I agree with you, Lord, and I repent of that, and I place my faith in Christ. You know, the, one of the problems I think today in the world, the, the anger and frustration and, and certain elements in our, in our world, especially in America, trying to force everybody to be, uh, you know, to think and say only what they want them to say. Uh, this craziness. I think the problem is these people are so deep in sin, they have no hope and they've rejected Christ. If they would only turn their lives to Christ, they could be saved and they could know peace and they could get along with everybody. And that's what I think. And I think I'm right. That's not politically correct. It's just correct. <laughs> All right. Let's see what happens now. John the Baptist, remember him, is going to back everything that Christ has said. He's going to back it up. He's going to back up. Uh, I, I'm saying things that if he were standing with me, he would back me up. Let's go to verse 22 in John 3. We're almost done. After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and there he tarried with them and baptized now we know, uh, I believe in John 4, we're going to find out it says that Jesus himself didn't baptize, but his disciples did. But anyway, they are, they are there and uh, that people are believing in Christ and they're being baptized by the disciples. In other words, they heard this kind of thing. They heard what Christ said and they said, I believe it. You know, sort of like the people in the desert who were bitten by the snakes in Numbers 21 I got bit. Moses said, look and live. I'm looking. I want to live. And they believed in Christ. Verse 23, And John also was baptizing in Anon near to Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. So people were coming still to John, the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, but also the first 
New Testament prophet who pointed to Christ as being the voice in the wilderness. He pointed to Christ as the promised Christ, the promised Messiah, the Son of God, the chosen one. And people were believing. That's why they were being baptized. Verse 24, for John was not yet cast into prison. So all of that's going to end soon in the Gospel of John. But right now he's still out. And if you're a Christian today, you and I should be using the freedom we have today to proclaim Christ as I'm doing today because that freedom may not always be there as it is right now. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Now, I guess they were arguing about how, did, how does somebody get really clean? And remember, from everything we've seen in John 3 here, it's not about being physically, ceremonially, religiously clean, so to speak. It's about being spiritually clean. And only the blood of Christ can take that sin stain off of my heart or your heart. But here John is trying to point people to Jesus and these particular Jewish Old Testament people were pointing back to things that could not take away the stain of sin. Verse 26, And they came unto John. In other words, they were not believing. <laughs> Verse 26, And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, now they're talking about Jesus, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. So I believe these were disciples of John and those around John who really loved and appreciate John the Baptist. And they said, hey, Jesus of Nazareth that you said is the Messiah, they're not coming to you anymore. They're all going to him to be baptized. You know, preachers have this problem a lot. It's hard for preachers to rejoice when God blesses another preacher's church. And that's kind of what you see going on here among John's followers. Verse 27, John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. And that should have told all the Jewish people right there who Jesus was because they were to be looking for the bridegroom who is coming to, to marry his bride, right? That would have been the Lord Jesus Christ, Israel. But uh, he says, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom, that, that being John the Baptist, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Man, would that ever be a life motto? John gives testimony to the eternality and the divinity, the godness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, just in case we didn't get it from what Jesus said right here in John 3, 
John backstops at 100% that Jesus is God. And he says here, and this should be our, our view and our feeling if we love the Lord Jesus Christ, He must increase, but I must decrease. Man, that, that is a, a great life motto. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven, and that's Jesus, he that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifieth and no man receiveth his testimony. That is, what, why would everybody not hear what Christ said and believe in him? They weren't receiving it by and large. Verse 33, He that hath received his testimony has set to his seal that God is true. In other words, when you hear what Christ said about himself, and you hear what John the Baptist says about Christ, and you agree with them, and you believe in Christ, you are certifying that, and you are agreeing that this is the truth of God. Verse 34, For he whom God has sent, that's Jesus, speaketh the words of God. For God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him, that is, like only a little bit, but God is in Christ, the Son. Verse 35, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. Watch this, verse 36. This is John's confession. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Now he says here in this last verse, he that believeth on the Son, you trust Christ, that he is God. He died on the cross to pay the price, the penalty of your sin. And you believing that God accepted that and Christ was buried and rose again victorious over sin, death, hell, and the grave on the third day. He ascended to heaven and He is coming back, my friends, and I think it may be sooner than a lot of people want to imagine. You believe in Christ, then it says here that you have, you have everlasting life present tense. You've got it. That eternal life is in the Son and the Son is in you when you believe on Him. You can't die spiritually. No, yes, I may die in a car wreck this afternoon. You may die 20 years from now from a disease, but that's your body. When you are born again from the Spirit, the new life of God comes into you, you will never, ever die in your soul and spirit, and you're going to get a new glorified body 
like the one that Lord Jesus Christ has. Amen. But some of the most somber, sober, serious words in the Bible I'm about to reread again. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Friends, if you're not trusting Christ today as your Savior and Lord, your life eternally is hanging by a thread over a fiery hell. Jesus does not want to see you die without Him and go into eternity to hell. He came that that would never have to happen to you. But many of you have been rejecting what Jesus said about Himself. You've rejected what John the Baptist said about Himself. You rejected what I'm telling you that John said and Jesus said. And you're not believing in the Son. You are unbelieving, disbelieving. You are rejecting. What a foolish move. Because right now, the fiery, damning wrath of God hangs over your life like an ominous thundercloud. And that wrath could fall on you at any moment if you die without Christ. Friends, I'm not a big crier and I'm not crying right now. Sometimes I have tears, yes. But if I was that type of person, I would be pleading with you right now with tears. Trust Christ. Don't trust Islam. Don't trust 300 million Hindu gods. Don't trust in the path of enlightenment and the sevenfold way or eightfold or whatever it is of Buddhism. Don't trust in science. Don't trust in Satan. He's lying to you if you're a Wiccan or a Satanist, using you like a cheap fiddle. Trust no one but the Lord Jesus Christ for your eternal salvation. That's all I've got today, friends. The most important message you will ever receive you have just heard today from the lips of the Lord Jesus Christ about Himself and from the lips of John the Baptist about Christ as the official voice in the wilderness pointing to the only one who can save mankind. What are you going to do with Jesus? Back to that first question. If you could interview God, what would you ask Him? And if God answered, would you listen? I thank all of you for listening today, believers in Christ. I hope this has built you up in your faith. Many of you who are listening need Christ. I hope that today you will fall on your knees and confess to Him that you're a sinner and you need Him in your life as God. And He will save you. 
He will save you. Call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Thank you so much for listening. Please let others know about the podcast, This Week in the Word, which can be found at www.dredhill.podbean.com. Remember that that doctor part, the D-R, has no period after it. D-R-E-D-H-I-L-L dot podbean dot com. I believe we can still be found if we haven't been banned. <laughs> from uh, We can be found on iTunes and Google Play. The easiest thing is just type www.dredhill.podbean.com in a browser and bring up the podcast, download the app. It will always be free to listen to the Word of God. Thanks so much for being part of our podcast today. It is my privilege and honor to share the Word of God with you. God bless and have a wonderful week.